world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. All right, folks, I am reading an article in uh, Texas Monthly, the the magazine Texas Monthly. And um, so for those of you who are not from Texas, you you probably don't know about Texas Monthly, but it's a very popular magazine uh, that's been around for a long time. And, um, you know, it's it's got a little bit of everything. You know, it'll everything from telling you where you can eat and drink uh, in various uh, cities uh, or where they, they do their famous top 25 uh, barbecue joints in the state every year. And, uh, and then they have some other articles, uh, sometimes about what's going on in current events in Texas. And, and then they do some historical, some retrospective stuff, which is always kind of fun. And the one that I'm reading here, actually, on my, I don't have the, the actual magazine. Uh, I am, although I have, I have on occasion held the magazine in my hand. But today, I'm reading it on my trusty iPad Pro. And the title of this, um, of this article. And now, if you read this in standard American English, the title reads, "That's oil, folks." However, if you read it in, uh, let's just say Texas English, then the title reads, that's all, folks. So you get the joke, right? It's the same thing that that Porky Pig at the end of... Anyway, you get it. So um, so that's all, folks. And hey, let's see. Uh, I, you know, it's actually... It's kind of a long article, so I'm not really going to... Um, but it's got lots of really kind of fun historical retrospective stuff in here and some good stories. And the one that caught my attention is... Um, is about a man, a young man named David Arrington, uh, which this the, the article describes him as an exuberant, sandy-haired former high school cheerleader from Dallas. Uh, yes, uh, high school football was perhaps even bigger back in the '80s than it is now. Although it is still it's still pretty still a pretty big deal. And uh, anyway, uh, this guy. Um, he came out of school at the wrong time. Uh, in the uh, in the early '80s, uh, there was a there was a downturn, a really big downturn that pretty much rocked the state in terms of the oil business. And uh, uh, and so he was he, he during his senior year at Texas Tech University, uh, which is up in uh, Lubbock, I guess. Um, right? Yeah. And he applied for a job at 27 oil companies during his senior year. Now. The, ir- the irony there is he, it, was, he, it was easy to find 20. I mean, he probably didn't even have to walk very far to get to 20, 27 different oil companies out in that particular part of Texas. And, but they all turned him down. And uh, because he just, um, they turned him down because he, he, didn't, he didn't learn enough about, about, about oil and gas in his college studies. And so uh, anyway, he was, the, the, it goes on to explain how this particular guy, um, he did. He did get to Midland in 1984, which was a terrible. Midland, of course, is right in the middle of the Permian Basin, and this is before. I, I think this is before a lot, the fracking started. This is when they were still just punching holes in the ground and oil was coming out. And uh, 1984, terrible time to be in Midland. Uh, but he did manage to get a job as a rookie landman, and now we get to the point to the whole, to the whole thing about why I uh, stumbled on this particular article. Uh, if you don't know what a landman is, 
um, then stay t- or stay stay tuned, right? Yeah, stay. Don't change the channel because we're going to talk about it in just a second. Um, but uh, he got our job as a rookie landman. But he didn't stop there. He 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 spent his spare time. He was researching prospects in Midland Subsurface Library, and he found some acreage. And he got an advisor. Uh, advisor. He got an investor. Uh, went knocking on doors. Got an investor. Hired a company to drill a well. And what do you know? In 1985. Uh, he hit oil. And uh, it says here that when that happened, he stood by the well, leaped into the air, and did the herky. The, the herky, which I, I guess is like some sort of a cheerleader move. Uh, yeah, stretching out his arms and legs. Oh, yeah, 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 in different directions while he shouted. So the herky, I guess that's where they jump up in the air and flail around. Um, anyway, so he did that while he shouted, yeehaw, exclamation point. So the... the, the the history of the oil business is just full of those kinds of stories. And I'm sure not just in Texas. There's lots of them in Texas, but there's probably plenty of them in other places. And uh, they're always fun to read. Um, but in this particular case, I, I was I, I was looking for, uh, you know, just looking for interesting tidbits about the land business and stumbled on this one. Um, and, uh, and so for those of you who maybe uh, aren't familiar, don't really know about what the land business is uh, or what a landman does. And, uh, um, and, and before now, don't, don't change the channel. Don't, for those of you who are saying, I'm not going to listen to this podcast anymore. Oh, by the way, welcome to the oil and gas digital doers podcast, which is brought to you right here on the oil and gas global network, the largest and most listened to <laughs> what's the rest of it <laughs> my it's uh my it's been a long day folks uh what are we we're the largest and most listened to network of podcasts for the oil and energy industry and this uh this episode and all episodes on this show uh are are made possible by our very good friends at hewlett packard enterprise now you've heard me talk about hpe many times so surely you already know what they do you know that they're a friend of the oil and gas industry uh they are here to help and uh, and i know a whole bunch of people at hpe and they're all fantastic and um and they work really hard to try to understand the industry and figure out what uh, what people need, uh, particularly in the way of, I mean, we need a lot of things. But in this case, it has to do with uh, with all kinds of, all, all the fancy computing that we're trying to do in this world of digital transformation um, and the high performance stuff and the complex networks and everything out on the edge. You know, all of that requires the right kind of modern infrastructure. And HPE is your friend when it comes to that. So have a look at HPE.com. You can learn all about it. Okay, back to uh, being a landman. Now, uh, for those of you who say, who, who are maybe thinking that I really should ch- change my vocabulary to land person or something along those lines, um, there, there, there's a lot of history and tradition wrapped up in the job of landman. And I, I have known at least a couple of women who have had this particular occupation. And if you ask these women what they do, they will say, I'm a landman, and uh, that's just kind of how it is. And well, and I'm not suggesting that it's that way for everybody. That's just a couple that I know, and I'm sure, uh, I'm sure that uh, you know, there's probably some who would say uh, that doesn't really suit me. I'd, I'd like to be called something else, and that's perfectly fine. Um, but my point is that there's a lot of tradition, a lot of history wrapped up in the job, and it's one of those jobs that is just prone to paper because what a landman does is is figure it like they they research the mineral rights and the leases and who owns what, and they they're at the courthouse digging up 
stuff and they're and they're at the library probably sometimes and who knows where and uh, and I'm sure it's 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 been modernized to some degree but from what I understand there's still quite a lot of digging through papers and filing cabinets and chasing people down and and putting those deals together so um, so it's it's probably a part of the business that you wouldn't expect to see a whole lot of progress in the way of digital transformation. And I think that probably uh, uh, that, that may be true in some cases, but, but digital is having its impact everywhere. And in fact, today, today, we're going to hear from a couple of guys from a company who are doing uh, just exactly that, bringing those kinds of capabilities to the land business. And, and, and in hearing from them, you'll, you'll learn a little bit more about what the, what the business is all about and, and, and why I said what I said. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the OGGN Spotlight, Wade Brawley and Jim Shaw. And we are here with Wade Brawley and Jim Shaw from uh, this company that I'm just learning about, Land Information Services, which, uh, and I don't know too much about you yet, but I'm, it's, it seems like it's all in the name, really, the Land Information Services. So, um, but guys, thanks for uh, being here. And you're, you're here visiting from Oklahoma. You're down here in Houston where all the action is, and, and we're going to get you on a plane here pretty soon. So let's do, uh, let's do a little bit about you. Um, and I was also, uh, we were joking just a minute ago about how usually I try to do a little homework first so I know something about you. And in this case, it was kind of a hectic day. So I know nothing about you. So we're just going to start cold. So who wants to go first, Jim? Sure. Yeah, go. Sure. So Jim Shaw, uh, president and COO of, of Land Information Services. Um, grew up in, in Oklahoma City. Uh, started working at Chesapeake many, many years ago. Um, uh, actually, yeah. Fort Wade. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's there's so much of that. We, like mm-hmm. we, we see that so much in the industry where people kind of travel together. So that's always good. Yeah. Always good to see. Yeah. Uh, so spent you know, good part of the first part of my career there, and then transitioned over to uh, Wade whenever he had left and started Land Information. So, right. Good. Any, yeah. So, if I would, if I had done homework on you, is there any like weird little things that I would have found out about that I could have like sprung on you when, uh, like, <laughs> like you were captain of the little league team or something? He's <laughs> a so, hockey player. I did, hockey player. I did grow up playing ice hockey, so yeah. that's a little unique in, in Oklahoma City. That is unique. Yeah. In but it does get cold there. I mean, you it's have, been pretty cold the yeah. last couple of weeks. Yeah, but. you have ice there. Yeah. So, is there like? There's not a pro team in Oklahoma, is there? No, there used to be kind of a semi-pro team. Um, I, I grew up playing on a travel league, and so we traveled all across the country yeah. with various tournaments. But We had this team in Houston years ago called the Arrows, the Houston mm-hmm. Arrows, but they were not an NHL team, as I recall. I think they I, I were like so. whatever the – it was. But I went to a game one time. You know, yeah. it was fun. I've, I've also been – when I was a kid, I grew up – so uh, before my parents moved to Houston when I was a teenager – um, but I grew up in New Jersey, and I, I have been to at least one that I can remember Rangers game mm-hmm. in New York, and that was, um, like, you had to be a certain age to even be allowed, you know, like, your parents didn't take you to a Rangers game until yeah. you were at least, like, 13 or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. stay in the color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, to, like, not be, right, too impressionable. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, and Wade, um, so I, I see from the from the business card that you gave me that I've propped up here that you're the CEO. Correct. So, and it sounded like you founded the company, you started the company? Founded well. the company uh, after I left Chesapeake and sort of took my toolbox and um, 
uh, started consulting with different companies, designing workflows, uh, business process reengineering, like what I had done at Chesapeake uh, for other companies. Yeah. And so the name Land Information Services just really, like you said, describes exactly what we do. It's, it's strictly land information from the land professional uh, prof uh, perspective. Um, and it, you know, we're dealing with information. Yeah. So, um, you know, my soapbox has always been that, you know, data is not information until you've processed it and made it into something meaningful for the end user. Yeah. So, um, so I created land information services and I was fortunate to have, uh, Jim join me. So that means we've worked together for what, like 15 years, mm -hmm. which is kind of scary because that was from the time he graduated from high school, I think. <laughs> yeah. And so we do tend to finish each other's sentences yeah. or reply to the same email at exactly the same time, saying almost exactly, exactly the, the same thing, word for word. It's a little so, weird. Yeah. But it makes for a good business partnership. So yeah. I, I trust decisions he makes and, and uh, representations he makes. Yeah. So, do, you, do you stand in for each other at family functions as well? You, can you <laughs> well, there is a difference in our ages, so I don't think we can get away with yeah, that. Yeah, well, <laughs> fair, fair enough. So that was so 15 years ago you started the company, then, right? Yeah. Okay. So I want to um, I, I, I want to pause here because uh, people, I mean, as you know, the I always like to say the oil and gas industry isn't really one. It's not really one business. Maybe you call it an industry, but it's not really one business, right? So it's really a whole bunch of businesses bolted together with different, you know, all sort of, right. all with the common purpose of getting the hydrocarbons out of the ground and into your gas tank or your tires or what have you, but um, or your or your makeup or or winter outerwear, as the case may be. <laughs> but but um, but there's really all these different, and it's not just, and it's not just uh, you know, upstream, midstream, downstream as. You know, a lot of people, when they first start trying to learn about the industry, that's the first thing they learn, right? Um, but even within upstream, there's all these different disciplines, all these different. So th the thing is, is that everybody who listens to the show, not I've, I have discovered that not everybody is really familiar with all the different components. And most recently, I have had some people uh, who are active in the industry that really have n no idea what goes on in the land part of the business. Mm -hmm. So... Um, so, like, just describe that a little bit in terms of like, what is it, and 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 why? I mean, it sounds pretty simple. I know it's not, right? Uh, I, I have some friends who are landmen. Um, I have one woman friend who was a landman, and uh, and it's not simple, and and which is why you started a whole company around it. So, just like comment on that a little bit. Yeah, and we don't say really oil and gas companies anymore. Industry, no. it's, it's energy, it's energy industry, industry yeah. and that encompasses a, a, a right. whole new complexity. So you're right. There are so many different aspects of energy management and. Uh, the energy business uh, from you know field technology, which we are not, but we mm -hmm. are fascinated by that and you know measurement tools and, and right. uh, field data capture and what have you. Um, our definition of field data capture would be uh, taking the information from the uh, broker, for example, who's checking records and conveying that to the uh, operator or their client. And when it gets to the client, it needs a permanent repository to sit in, and that's what our product does, LandVantage. Yeah, yeah. So other aspects of the energy industry are uh, maybe data services, right. which a lot of people are thinking of. So you know, they, they uh, produce um, you know, daily production information or 
ownership information. We don't produce that, that uh, information source that uh, people subscribe to. Again, we provide the repository that that data would sit in yeah. and, your, and your own proprietary data, your ownership, your assets, your agreements, your facilities, your wells, how you relate the agreements. Could be a surface agreement for solar panels or, or for right-of-way, oil and gas leases how they relate to the different facilities, wells, um, mm -hmm. compressor sites, et cetera. So how, how are we doing on that in the industry? Because I know historically we always used to joke about how, um, you know, cor we weren't very good at correlating all of those things, right? We didn't, mm -hmm. nobody even used the same identifier for a well. Um, and my understanding is that in the land business where you have to keep track, that. The, this, the, a lot of the systems and the, the historical processes made it very difficult. Like you, it was almost an art and a science just to correlate. Like all of those things that you just said very neatly, mm -hmm. putting those together was like not for the faint of heart. If I'm not mistaken, is that is that right? And and you know, for wells, there there is you know because of state regula regulations uh, an API, so there is a definite unique identifier. But you're right that within a given company. There could be five different unique identifiers for a well, depending on the department. You know, uh, reservoir engineering or land or production. Each of them might have what they consider to be the well number. So it's still like that. We haven't. So we, we haven't really. We see that a lot. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And until yeah. we come along, uh, they kind of haphazardly try and manage their their wells and their information. Um, but our software also provides kind of a unification, a, a place where you can relate all those different unique yeah. identifiers and have yeah, yeah. one source of, of that well record. Right, right, right. And that helps. So, um, uh, so Jim, I'm just I'm just remembering now that Wade said you guys started working here that you were right out of high school. So is this the is this the area that you jumped into? Like you came out of high school and said I want to be a land man. I want to uh, go work for Chesapeake. So because um, it sounds scary. Like why would anybody, <laughs> why would anybody want to do that? So I actually yeah I got an interview with Wade after my freshman year of college um, and started interning at Chesapeake during okay. college. But I started actually in the record center just pushing files and, and paperwork, oh, right, right, which was right. within the land administration department. Um, so I didn't. I had really no clue what I wanted to do, um, yeah, yeah. and then uh, eventually developed a career just within land administration. So my entire career has been more of the back office side of land management, right? Uh, which is what we continue to do today from a software and services standpoint. Okay, so so when like friends or family ask you what do you do, yeah. how do you explain it? So at a <laughs> at a hundred thousand foot view, for those that have had no exposure to to the business. Um, I no, really, I mean, I want to know you actually tell your friends and family. No, so, so yeah, what, what I actually do tell them is... Because when mine ask just, me, I just say nothing. I don't say, I don't, yeah, I don't there, say anything. There's usually just a couple of sentences, <laughs> and they kind of pause, and, and we move on. But um, no, I try to tell them that, you know, uh, for the oil and gas business, in order for a company to go out and actually start producing a well and, and what have you, you have to own the underlying land to be able to do that, whether right. that's the surface or mineral rights or, or what have you. Um, and so it's the management of those contractual agreements that um, the operator gets into with the landowner that we help provide management for and an organization of. And I usually lose them after that. Yeah, so. and they're like, yeah, uh, waiter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're so glad they asked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. Well, okay, but do you ever get, when you tell people, uh, is there ever the old, uh, oh, yeah, 
that's you you guys are the guys that help the uh the big oil companies like take advantage of the poor property owners <laughs> imminent domain all that, like is that, that still not, is that still kind of a uh, i mean it's got to still be a concern i guess right yeah, i mean there's still that stigma i think you know yeah. a little bit to to some people but um yeah i don't think poisoning the planet right yeah right. helping um, helping poison the yeah, we're, your, we're on the information water. side yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We well well and it's got and and now every aspect of information and, and you know and I'm with you on the data sort of becomes information it's not just automatically information um, but all of that now has this whole ESG component which like we're all sick of talking about but um, but but everybody's taking seriously and everybody so are you seeing the the whole so when it comes to the land stuff, what's the what? Which part of which? How are you guys getting drawn into that ESG discussion, or, or are you staying out of it? Well, first of all, I like to tell remind people that um, uh, people in the oil and gas industry are probably your best conservationists because they work with the the land, they work with the environment. We're very closely regulated, so we yeah. have to be concerned. We have to be careful, and so. I like to think that we invented the whole ESG thing, you know, it's not imposed upon us, but uh, it, it's something that, that we are promoting. Yeah. I say we, it, it doesn't, since we're in information, we don't generate carbon other than driving my car to work, but, but it's a hybrid, so. But information, <laughs> but, but, the, but, but the, the people who produce and handle information are the one, are sort of the key, uh, like key players in a lot of this. ESG discussion now because all the data is now being used for you know in addition to whatever it's already being used for now it becomes part of some sort of some sort of ESG reporting mm -hmm. tracking something like that so yeah. Um, so yeah so how does it does it so does that change when you go into a deal now uh, does it change the the playbook yeah I mean you may have a different perspective Jim but I mean since we're not dealing with with field activity we're not dealing with any kind of technology to produce hydro hydrocarbons i mean um it really we don't really factor into that yeah okay it's just the uh information that uh we're storing and uh allowing the consumer the the oil and gas company or energy company allowing them to store these different bits of data in a structured environment to where they can do any kind of reporting any kind of analysis uh, create predictive models to make them more efficient uh, to, to help them meet their reporting needs if they're they're financed by a yeah, you know, yeah. private equity company so oh, right, right. that's the kind of efficiency that we are really focused on is is how can you store your data get the most out of it be creative in how you blend the data together to create reports and processes yeah 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 got you yeah I, I would say us from a vendor standpoint, we haven't had any kind of additional requirements or, or asks on, on the ESG side for, for us, nor do I think, you know, have I heard of our clients internally with the land departments, have they been, you know, tasked with a, a new set of, of marching orders, so to speak. Um, so I, I don't know if it's yeah. really affecting the, the land departments as, yeah. as heavily. Okay, so so we may have discovered the one corner that's been kind of untouched uh, until now. Uh, until Thank now. you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's out there. Yeah, here we go. Your phone's gonna ring tomorrow. <laughs> hey, you guys. Um, all right. So what? So something that I always like to think about, um, especially when we think of in terms of digital transformation, which is the last five years, 
term for something that we've always tried to do, which is try to improve what we're doing and how we're doing it by, you know, new technologies and things like that. However, this new wave of digital, uh, you know, it does tend to focus on particular things that maybe weren't so much in focus before. Anyway, um, I always like to look at, uh, so we get to a story of how people are now beginning to get value from these ambitions that they have. It's always interesting to look at, well, like, what did they do before? Or what do they do now? So, so for, for those one or two companies out there that, that don't have, you know, your, your software or a solution like yours, um, so what are they doing? How are they, how are they doing this today? And if it starts with Excel, then we can just skip to the next part. Well, some of them, it starts with a file folder still. And, oh, wow. and it's, it's funny when I think about how we used to work or how I used to work as a landman, there was a lot of paper. And you, your mm-hmm. files were your pride. That was your, right, your trophy. Right. Like, look at all my files, how busy and how important I am. And nowadays, I mean, I want my desk free of anything. So everything yeah. is scanned. It's, it's uh, attached to the pertinent record that it you know, belongs to. And that's what we promote to our clients is to um, rely on these paperless processes that are in our software. Yeah. And get rid of the paper as quickly as you can. So how does that go over? I mean, is that, is that a, I mean, before you convince them that your software works or, or that doing it, even like even if we just like, let's say we leave your product out of, out of the discussion for a second, mm-hmm. you're trying to persuade people that there's a better way to do this. Right. They like their paper, though. Right, like they're like they're well. That's really shifting, it. though. Is it? So, yeah. So you know, companies have gone through a lot of acquisitions, and sometimes it's paper, but usually it's it's digital files, digital you know PDFs and what have you. And so the the problem they have now is how do I organize this? How do I manage yeah. it? And it becomes a whole new problem. I don't have all that paper anymore, but I've got all this these PDFs that I can't find what I need. Well, you put them in your little, you put them in your little digital filing cabinet, right? Yeah. And, and you you know your all your little file folders, and then and then but you everyone in you your company may be filing it, it different course, ways, right. you know, organizing it different ways. And if you have no standardization, then um, you know oh, you just yeah. it's a disaster waiting to happen. Well, so I think our clients are just really excited and grateful to have a standard that they can they can yeah. attach to. Well, I think about you know the last couple of years and the remote or hybrid workforce that we've yeah, created. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, the physical paper is just not simply an option anymore when you've got teams working disparately across the country or sure you, get, you, or you don't share a file room, right? right? You can't go down to the yeah. I'm not I'm not physically walking my my you know payment obligation down the hall anymore. Some do um, if there's people in the office, but you know many many people are not doing that anymore. Does does it vary at all depending on which like geography you're you're working in or is it is it pretty uh i have some have some regions like advanced more than others well i think you know it, kansas for example where they're not as active um you know maybe rely on on paper you mm-hmm. know more so than say the eagleford or or yeah. you know more recent basins that are more active permian right, right. basin i mean there's just so much sure, information and so sure. much activity there yeah uh that they've had to work for years to try and organize that and and you know right make that available to everyone who needs plus it. now they're building wind farms on top of all of it yeah. so right. <laughs> does that so does that does that play into the because you mentioned and you said it's, it's all about energy now does is, is there a land component to the business of of building other things there is it sits on land so there has to be an agreement uh there's a royalty paid to the landowner on the wind farms so um 
so it's different, but it's still agreements and facilities. You know, leases and wells, right. or a surface lease and, and a wind farm, solar panels. Uh, so there, you know, there's that variation. But um, you know, it, it's still oil and gas. I think that that requires the most, um, you know, volume of paper and and uh, and processes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, yeah. I don't even know how the. Um, I get. I guess the people who own the land that you build the wind farms on, they get compensated somehow, right? It's not. It's not yeah, with a. Right. It's not with the override on the production of the well, but there's something that they get compensated. on the kilowatts or something. Right. I, yeah. yeah. And it's a graduated royalty, and and you know can can be kind of complicated, um, but um, there are fewer leases or fewer agreements involved with surface. So the mineral ownership is so fractionalized. There could be for one oil and gas oh, well, there could right. be, you know, a thousand leases, but for yeah. a wind farm, there could be just one lease. Right, because there's no under the ground component right. of it. Right? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not as complex. Yeah. And uh, but but um, we don't currently have a renewable energy client. We ha- are looking at a couple that um, uh, I think will become clients very soon. Yeah, yeah. So it, but so it's something we want to do. It's right, an objective right, right. of ours. Good. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's let's. Um, so we have a we have a uh, a good view now of what is it that the consultants call it these days the. Um, the problem space. We know the problem. The problem space. That was. I used to be in consulting, and we didn't. That word came along later. I thought oh, that's a really smart one to to, to come up with. Um, so, uh, so, and it sounds like, for the most part, it, it, around the industry, we've moved on past this whole. Don't take away my papers, right? Like we're yeah. kind of we've moved beyond that, which means that people can actually start to to employ tools like this and get value from it. So, um, so what, what like some good stories or good uh, what, like what are you seeing as as you have clients who are adopting the software and they're beginning to apply this to this part of their business? Uh, how how is their life changing? Well, I mean, even software that's been around for for a long time that people have used for for decades. Um, you know, is now today very antiquated. It's always been very difficult to use. And so within the organization, there's maybe two to three or four people that really know how to use the system and get the most out of it, but nobody else wants to touch it. Right. right? It's, so it's, it's no better difficult. than the file cabinet. Really. Right. 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 Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So some of the some of the biggest, I guess, um, success stories that we have is, you know, implementing our product um, that's, you know, so simple to use that you've got your your you know older VPs of, of land that um, you know have no trouble picking it up and they're able to take advantage of the technology in a way that you know everybody else is able to mm-hmm. uh, as well. Yeah. So, um, so how do they? So how does that help them? Like um, like if I'm an, if I'm an executive, besides needing to fill in for my team when they're out sick with COVID, um, how what is it? What does it give me? Like at a how, how does it help me with my decision making and uh, and those kinds? I think of things? it gives you better assurance of the quality of the data. So uh, our platform is unique in that it's so easy to use that you don't have the dissension between the different departments. So for example, lease records and the land department. Uh, historically, you have these two silos where. Land doesn't trust the data with the uh, the lease records mm-hmm, department mm-hmm. has created, and they tend to create their own files. And you've got two sources of the truth, and that's very inefficient. You're now managing two sources of data, and you don't know which is right. So if you're the manager, it's like, well, who do I trust? With our software, everyone works in the same 
fishes from the same pond, we like to say. So uh, you have one version of the truth and you're leveraging off of each other's work so it's more efficient. As a landman, I'm not doing the lease analyst job and the division order analyst job. I'm relying on them. I'm appreciating them for what they do. Sure. And uh, we work more as a team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thanks for bringing up silos because um, I, I, <laughs> it's, my, it's sort of my um, un, unwritten guarantee that every time we ever have a conversation in this industry about these kinds of things, we're always going to talk about three things, and, and you just hit the third one. We're always going to talk about data. So we, we got that line right out the gate. We're always going to talk about culture. So we got into that with, the, with, the, with the, the papers and the people and the remote working and all that. And the other one that always comes up is silos. And... Um, you know, if you were to if you were to go into anybody who's involved in the oil and gas business anywhere uh, in the last umpteen years, and if you were to say, uh, "You guys have a problem with silos in this industry," they would. Well, well, I think they would say something that I. This is a family show, so I can't say what they what they would say. <laughs> but, they would, but no kidding is what they would say. Like we all we've always known that, but. Um, but and yet the like the silos persist, right? So why? So as you as you as you have your as you're working with clients to implement these kinds of tools, um, do the silos just kind of like magically fall down, or are they? Uh, are, the, the threat or, is always there, and yeah. so the trick is to always be looking for them and and knocking them down, and you know finding those hidden sources of information that someone is you know kind of keeping as their, their proprietary you know, data source. <laughs> uh, so it's a never-ending battle, yeah. but you can help minimize it by enforcing you know, your, your business rules within your work environment. So one thing that makes our product unique is that we have all these workflows mm. that uh, it's not just a database, it, it's a paperless workflow document management, and there are different critical processes that cross department boundaries that, that you know, are, are permitted through our software. Our competitors don't have that. And so what we always try and do is, with every implementation, is find the champions in the company who understand it, and, th and, and it's fun to watch their eyes light up, and go, oh my gosh, I, this is what I've been yeah, wanting, yeah. and I can mm -hmm. do this. And let them take off, let them be the, the hero, and we will stand behind them and help them implement these processes and you know help them to find those silos and keep knocking them yeah, down yeah yeah so, so, so uh, but the other side of that right is and this I do remember from my consulting and, and software days is um, anytime you, you start trying to uh, productize like, like it's always it's always it seems like you're talking about workflows right so mm -hmm. we have these Workflows that are either kind of configurable, they're productized, right. or they're whatever it is, right? Um, do you ever have somebody who says, yeah, "Our business is totally different"? Oh, right? of course. Like, like, yeah. uh, like you don't like you don't understand. Yeah. We do things, to and of course, I spent twenty years in consulting. Every time somebody said, that, "I think in my head," no, you really don't. You really do it pretty much the same as everybody else. Yeah. Um, everybody has their own little their own little oddities to it, but but. Um, so how hard is it to to for somebody for you to come in from like what's essentially your best prediction in a product of mm -hmm. how things need to work and now you have to apply that to like like the real world mm -hmm. what happens 
Right? Yeah, with a smaller company, uh, they're always just grateful to, to kind of hand it over. And, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to give us instant infrastructure, and we will follow the business rules you establish. And that's great. It, you know, it, it goes pretty smoothly. Yeah. <laughs> but with larger, more established companies, yeah. naturally, they're going to have a way of doing things. Right. And they've been doing them for years. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, not the right way to do it. Uh, and that's really hard to convince them that right. you have an opportunity here to change how you're doing things. What you're doing is unique, and you're not going to be like all of our other clients, but there is an opportunity to maybe yeah. create more efficiency. Let us help you find that. So, so, it, so it still works. It, it, yeah. it does. I mean, you know, there, there's never a one-size-fits-all, but you know, I think what we bring to the table when we come to talk to these people is, you know, we used to do your day-to-day -day work. Yeah. you know, prior to, to doing software yeah. as a service, right? So we know exactly what you're going through and exactly um, what the outcome is that, that you're trying to achieve. So that, that really helps kind of put them at ease that we're not just selling a product. We can actually talk their, their language and, and, you know, they know that we've been in their shoes before. But the whole change management process is so critical, you know, to, yeah. to any successful software implementation um, and getting all those people in the same room and convincing them that, Doing it differently is not necessarily a bad thing, but it can be a very good thing if they're yeah, just open yeah, to it, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of like everything else that we're trying <laughs> to do in the industry. Um, so how? Um, so so now so now you've had some clients that are like on their way. They're working um, land advantage, right? Land land mm -hmm. land advantage. Right. Um, so they've got land advantage. Um, they're sending you Christmas cards now every year. You guys are your favorite people. Um, and I asked this a little bit uh, a, 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 a couple of minutes ago, and then we, I think I got us off on a sidetrack. But in terms of the business benefits, um, uh, you know, you, you mentioned efficiencies, uh, trusting the information more. Um, like, like what what else? Uh, if I'm if I'm trying to if I'm trying to uh, convince my CFO or, or whoever makes this decision that mm -hmm. like this is like, like we need to change how we're doing things and um, and he or she says why mm -hmm. then what what uh, you know what do you what what are your clients what, what's the testimonial in terms of our life is so much better now and that's why we send Jim and Wade Christmas cards. <laughs> <laughs> um, there are several different answers to that. I'll offer one, and, and then you probably have another one. But um, one argument is that with our product, you receive all kinds of different tools and workflows that uh, you might have to purchase individually. So for example, for whatever the, the process, uh, uh, grassroots leasing, there's a process for that. And it's built in. You don't have to buy anything new. It's part of our platform. Uh, or if it's uh, you have a mature uh, production with uh, wells that are going down, we have a downwell process. It's built in. It's we have a, a GIS mapping service. It's built in. It's mm -hmm. not extra. It's all included. And you know, not all of our customers are going to use every single workflow immediately, but eventually they use all of them. And so it's very economical, not only from not having to purchase extra licenses, but um, you know, just just having everything in one place, having everything having the same look and feel, easy to train, uh, easy to adopt, easy to accept. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. And that's a really compelling feature, I think. In so instead of cobbling together all of these things that I'm probably cobbling together anyway, mm -hmm. right? right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think some other factors to it too, is you mentioned you know, somebody in finance or, or accounting holding the keys on 
do we want to sign up and, and pay the money for the software? Um, I mean, we, when you can actually prove that their end users are going to get a three to five X on efficiency, um, I mean, that, you know, realizes to some pretty significant savings and, and overhead with those you know, staff members and what have you. Um, and then the, the automation that we have built into the system. I mean, um, users are automatically notified if a well goes down. They're automatically notified when a payment obligation is coming due. I mean, these are real significant financial impacts if, you know, their, their folks aren't staying on top of monitoring their assets and for them to go out and take a new lease or to have to, you know, um, reestablish their ownership in a certain area is a very expensive endeavor. And if we can say that we're automatically notifying you of these events, um, it provides some some pretty big assurance. Yeah, I could see where that would be. Yeah, so you're you're flushing out a lot of risk. I on the three. Right. To, what, what was it you said? Uh, three to three to five times the efficiency yeah, factor from efficiency. an end user standpoint. So what, at so all right. So um, how? Um, so what does that do? So if I take this the type of work that these people do, and I make it three to five times more efficient. What happens in the business? So, uh, you know, I mean, it provides room for scalability, right? I mean, you may have a department of two to five people that are managing an asset right. today okay. and you're going out to acquire more. And rather than hiring five more people to manage the new asset, if you can increase the efficiency with your existing asset then, or with your existing folks, right, then, right. yeah, I mean, it's just a, a numbers game at that point. Of, yeah, yeah. Well, and especially now that we have some trouble in this industry with like hiring enough people so mm. we don't we, people aren't pouring into it quite you know back like they used to back, yeah you know yeah. it was the cool thing back when you you know decided to do it but right. now and <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like all your friends are probably oh yeah yeah I can well, see why like, I mean you've seen so many people even even on our side of the business and land and back office leave the industry over the last few years yeah. either by choice or, or not. So are people struggling with that, with just the whole like transfer of like knowledge of how what what this is and how it gets done? Um, it's like, creating a potential gap, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. So um, so if you can, yeah, I, I can see I can see if you if you can create. Uh, which is all, I guess, all the more reason why you need some of this stuff to be in, in some sort of uh, like repeatable workflow mm. packaged kind of thing, and not just yeah. something that's in somebody's head. That, and then the fact we have support staff. So uh, it's not unusual that uh, a client will have us perform all their back office work until they can get on their feet and hire their yeah, own people, yeah. and we help train their their people, and we have a lot of experienced you know analysts and landmen, so we can help fill that gap mm -hmm. yeah yeah so transforming this um yeah there's 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 plenty of opportunity for for uh digital transformation as they say in in that area it's interesting um because I, I i just think of the whole land part of the business i think of as being one of those ones where um it kind of has the most like well, not the most maybe, but it has a lot of like history and character around it. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody that I've ever known in the last 20 years that was a landman, they were all very interesting people, right? <laughs> like <laughs> they're not, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of its own culture, you know, mm -hmm. its own sort of subculture yeah. within the industry. It's, it's interesting you find landmen who were history majors. Yeah. You know, it's, that's not uncommon and, right. um, because there's a lot of history in title. And uh, understanding why are things how they are? How did land ownership come into being? You know, where was the first concept of land ownership? And so, in fact, I, I teach a class where uh, we, we take from 
uh, back in, in Europe where, you know, 1500s when ownership, individual yeah. ownership first came into being, you know, as a reward for, for helping in a battle. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. and that's how you have landlords. You, they became lords right. of land. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, when you look at it that way, it makes title more interesting. It makes the land profession more interesting. Yeah. You know, you, you go through title, it tells a story about a family. Right, and right. so that that is what turns history majors on, I think. Yeah, <laughs> interesting. You weren't a history major. I was not. not. <laughs> uh, Finance. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I've known the, the, the people that I've known are always kind of had, yeah, they're very, um, they're just different. They're usually, they come from different walks of life, mm-hmm. so to speak. So, all right, this is probably, let's see, I'm looking at the... Well, I, I say I'm looking at the little clock here, but I can't actually see it unless I put my glasses on. We're, get, we're getting to that part, that point where we're supposed to wrap up. So um, if, um, uh, if people want to learn more about, um, about, about what you guys are doing, we're going to put, a, we'll put your, your LinkedIn and, your, and a link to the website in the, in the show notes. Any, uh, anything else, like any interesting, like NAPE already happened. Yeah, so we were there. Were you there? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Talked to a lot of people. Uh, it was great to see people in person again. Yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, was that, I didn't. I wasn't able to make it this year. Was it a good? Uh, good yeah, turnout? it was yeah. smaller, but um, yeah. much better than than uh, summer NAPE. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. And is there a summer NAPE this year? Coming up, I don't know. I, I assume there I will assume be. So. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would guess. Right, there yeah. always. Yeah. There always has we're been. at um, a lot of other professional organizations conferences that happen throughout the year. Right. So even if we don't have a booth or you do any kind of demos, just to have a presence there, we send our analysts there. We, right. we attend mineral conferences, capital conferences. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. So we're Makes sense. Around, so just kind of look around and look around you'll, for you'll see Jim or me or, or yeah, one yeah. of our people. Land mm-hmm. Information Services and Land Vantage. All right, well, Jim. And Wade, thanks, uh, thanks for coming over here. I know you guys are on kind of a whirlwind tour, so I appreciate you. I did. I forgot to mention that we are not at the Canon today, that we are at the Valadier offices where uh, uh, OGGN fan favorite Kayla Ball, this is her office, and she's let us use it. And it is also going to be uh, the set of our upcoming uh, new live stream show, which launches this week. So uh, you guys – oh, also, if you guys are in Houston – um, anytime on the last uh, and during the last week of the month we always have our OGGN industry mixers on the last Thursday of every month and, and we've been getting a good turnout we, we always have good a to know yeah we have a, it's, it's, it's food and drinks um, and uh, and we always have a panel discussion and uh, and it's usually good um, and, <laughs> and and it's mostly just a time for people in the industry to get together and mm-hmm. and it, it's you know it's almost more like a support group I think because <laughs> because because mm-hmm. the industry's just been battered quite a bit right in mm-hmm. last year I'm sure you guys experienced that when oh, you go yeah, out there yeah. and uh, it's like it's good to be around other people who are like fighting the same fights and uh, you know and don't hate you you know, because you're, because you're poisoning the, the, the earth or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So is, is that at the Canon? Yeah, it, it has been at the Canon. Okay. It has, it has, we've been doing that at the Canon and, um, um, and yeah, we usually get about, we get 60 to a hundred people, which, you know, post COVID isn't too bad. So it's, it's pretty good. good. Yeah. So we'll, do we'll be there next time. All right. Great. Yeah. All right. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. Digital coming even to the world of land. 
and uh, I guess uh, it was bound to happen sooner or later, and it's probably a good thing that it's at least happening now. So thanks to Wade and Jim uh, for all of that uh, goodness that they shared, and thanks again also to our sponsor, HPE, for making this possible. If we didn't have any sponsors, then we wouldn't have anything for you to hear, so we so we do love our sponsors. Uh, show them some love, and uh, not just HPE, but all the sponsors of all the OGGM podcast. We have lots of great content uh, coming out to you on all the standard platforms and all of it. Uh, there's companies behind all of that that help us pay the bills and um, and we love working with all of them. So show our sponsors some love. Also, keep an eye on what's going on with uh, OGGM. Uh, we did we did just uh, a few days ago have our uh, our very first episode of OGGN Unscripted. You probably heard me talk about that on some previous episodes. Uh, it, it was a, it's a, it's a one hour live stream. Uh, I'm just going to call it a TV show. It's like a TV show, and it's not boring. Um, there, besides besides really fantastic guests, there's also cocktails involved and ping pong. So um, and and some interesting. Uh, supporting characters so so check out OGGN unscripted you can find it on our LinkedIn uh, uh, whatever our LinkedIn thing and uh, you can find it on YouTube and uh, the OGGN YouTube channel and uh, it's really good and there's, it's going to be monthly so it's going to be on the first Thursday of every month uh, watch it live uh, but if you miss it you can watch it on demand because that's how the world works now that is going to wrap it up today, folks. I appreciate uh, the OGGN team for all the hard work, most especially my audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who always makes us sound fantastic. And remember, anytime that you're feeling like we're just not, maybe you are in the land business, and you say, boy, I sure wish some of that modern goodness would come to me because I'm drowning uh, in paper, then uh, besides the fact that you could you could look up Wade and Jim, uh, just, just for general encouragement, you can always come back here to this show and listen to stories about how real people are getting digital done. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Oh, 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 oh